0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend, and it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house, your weekend wake up tradition.
1: Country boys and girls getting down on the
2: Come on around back, Arizona. It is the first Saturday of a brand new month here, February 6th, 8 o'clock. Rosie on the house means we are talking farm fresh. We have Arizona's. Farm Bureau spokeswoman Julie Murphy joining us in studio to talk about the $23 billion industry right here in our own backyard that helps uh, feed and fuel uh, our hearts, our souls, and our economy. And we uh, take this time to try and find a local commodity that is coming out of our farms and ranches so that you know when you're out doing your grocery shopping what brands to look for, uh, where to shop, or how to order direct from uh, your local farm. And you always have a... A guest. A commodity. Yes. A commodity and a guest that grows it.
3: Yes. uh, Today, it's pistachios. I tell you, with an introduction like that that you guys put together, I don't even need coffee to wake up. I'm on (laughs) the farm. Yes. It's uh, pistachios. And I have a little Murphy history. So, Dad had a pistachio seedling nursery, sold pistachio seedling rootstock all over the state of Arizona and the gentleman that we're going to introduce, I hope I can say his name now, Jim Graham, who uh, owns and manages Cochise Groves in the Cochise County area. Well, that one of his groves, when I was a little kid, we did the what they call the tea bud on it. And uh, so that's a segue to introduce Jim Graham with Cochise Groves, who also does wine grapes and has a label Golden Rule Vineyards. But Jim, we may bug you a little bit more about the pistachios. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, welcome. And we want you to tell our story because you have a very interesting and unique one. You're actually a Midwest boy and you've done more young man and you've done more uh, hogs, soybean and corn. And then you fell in love and headed over here and did some quite unique specialty crops. I almost gave your whole story away. (laughs) (laughs) Go Um, ahead.
1: I grew up in, I grew up in Iowa, uh, started farming in 1973 with my folks, hogs, cattle, corn, soybeans, and, uh, farmed there for 25 years. Um, in 1994, I met a lovely lady on an airplane and things worked out. Um, and we got married and, uh, her family was involved in these pistachios in Cochise County, and it was it was an interesting uh, part of agriculture that I knew nothing about. And in a matter of a few years, uh, we left Iowa and moved to Arizona.
3: And you've never looked back since, right?
1: Well, I look back and look at the weather in Iowa, and I'm happy to be. I tell people I'm happy to be from Iowa. About 1,500 miles. Yes. <laughs> so
3: I love it. So tell us about your pistachios.
1: We uh, we have 150 acres of pistachios. Uh, it amounts to about 21,000 trees. We are we are a family farm operation. My my wife's parents started these trees. Uh, and Julie mentioned the history here with the Murphy family and uh, going back. To the early 1980s, and uh, so we have we have trees, we have mature trees that are uh, in production, and the area is growing. Uh, we've planted a few new trees, but uh, the acreage in Southeast Arizona is growing uh, pretty rapidly.
2: Now, do I understand that right, Julie? Your dad provided the rootstock for the trees that Jim now. Manages right,
3: yeah. What well, they have in Iran, uh, they've got trees that are well over a hundred years old. Is what I've been told. So they have a, but you always want to be um, adding to and improving. And so I'm sure you've probably done a lot of replacement trees in your orchard, Jim.
1: Yeah, and uh, with advanced technology, there there's now hybrid rootstock. Yes, that has been developed that uh, actually produces the crop more quickly. Uh, which is important with pistachios.
3: Yes. The technology improvements on the breeds and stuff like that are much better than when we were going through those fields and doing those T-buds.
2: Now, before we get everyone listening excited about pistachios, if you're new to Arizona or you don't know the geography of it, where Jim is located is in Southern Arizona, which is actually much higher in elevation than Phoenix, Tucson, and uh, Casa Grande, where the majority of our listening audience is. And, Pistachios, we don't get enough chill hours to really get a good pr- produce. So don't don't get excited. You're gonna be able to run out there and plant your own. And if you're high up in Flagstaff, listening on uh, our affiliate calf affiliate affiliate up there, that's too cold. Right? right?
3: Yeah, they are. They have to be in the just exactly right place. And Cochise County is that place. It's amazing some of the agriculture that they have there. We have a lot of specialty crops there. We've got bonito beans. So um, and, Jim, it's been perfect perfect for your family, and you even added to that to have a mix of crops, the wine grapes.
1: Yeah, the uh, the Sulphur Springs Valley here now uh, produces over 80% of the wine grapes that are grown in Arizona. We There are other wine regions in the state, but much of the crop that is made into wine in Arizona comes from an area about uh, 30 miles around Wilcox.
3: And you were telling us just before the show started one of the reasons was to have that diversity. And what what is it with the pistachios that caused you to say, "Okay, I also need to be doing wine grapes"?
1: Well, the interesting thing that I had no idea about pistachios before I got involved is they're an alternate bearing crop, and I've come to learn that many fruit crops uh, do this, where they have a big crop one year, a smaller crop the next year. With pistachios, the fruit grows on year old wood so you actually grow the fruit bud the year before it produces fruit so a year where you have a lot of fruit you don't get many new fruit buds because the energy is going into the fruit uh, in a year where you don't have much fruit it grows a lot of fruit buds and you start getting into an alternate bearing swing with the crop production even though you have to take care of the crop every year so we're always, we always say we're taking care of next year's crop this year.
3: (laughs) That makes sense. Well, tell us, so isn't it California and Arizona are the top two producing states when it comes to pistachios? Give us some insights on that.
1: Yeah, we, uh, in our Arizona industry, we like to brag that we're the second largest pistachio producing state in the United States. Uh, California is the biggest. They produce 98%. We produce 1.5%. So we are number two.
3: <laughs> but you are number two, darn it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. with some of the new acreage that's coming in, is it not true that down in Cochise they're growing more or pistachio and pecan orchards?
1: There, There is some expansion going on here. Uh, again, and you've, you've touched on it, uh, pistachios are very climate sensitive. So there are only certain parts in the whole world where you can grow pistachios. Uh, we are fortunate here that we have a climate that very closely duplicates where the pistachios are native in uh, Middle Eastern countries like Iran. Uh, Cochise County is the biggest producer, actually Cochise and Graham County, there are some uh, large acreages in our Sulphur Springs Valley in Graham County as well. And we also understand that there's some plantings uh, being established in the Kingman area. So we may spread the whole Arizona industry in a wider area.
3: And uh, and we'll get more into that probably in the next segment, but, you know, they are a healthy nut and there's a lot you can do with them in recipes and cooking. But why do you think, I mean, what was the vision for some so many decades ago to start pistachios in Arizona?
1: Well, um, for years people have enjoyed pistachios. In fact, I'm not a biblical scholar, but if you look in Genesis 43:11, it mentions pistachios. So it, it goes back a long time, and people have enjoyed pistachios for thousands of years. Uh, U.S. agriculture is always looking for something new, uh, you know, and the, the nut crops are, you know, grew very quickly in uh, California, in the Central Valley, Uh Pistachios were a latecomer the first commercial crop of pistachios was only considered to have been grown in 1976 so we're we're talking less than 50 years that pistachios have been commercially produced in the US
3: that's amazing I, it's It gave me my summer jobs on the farm because if I wasn't chopping, this was before B.T. Cotton, if I wasn't chopping weeds in the cotton field during the summer, I was trimming trees in one of the pistachio orchards in Maricopa. Now, those, unfortunately, orchards are gone because of development, but it gave me my summer job, and I always felt like I had a little bit of pocket money. (laughs) Mom and dad started me early. Well. Jim, so you've got the wine grapes, you've got the pistachios, uh, any new and next adventures for farming? I always say that Jim can grow just about anything. You proved it in the Midwest, and now you're out here in Arizona proving it.
1: Well, you're being very kind. I'm I'm not sure I'm a great farmer, but I've been at it longer than most people. This is my 49th year uh, in farming, and I hope to make it to 50. Awesome. <laughs> That's always the hope. One more yes. good year.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: Now, I'm reading the Farm Bureau uh, at fillyourplate.org, uh website that the Arizona Farm Bureau puts together to help you. When you're not tuned in on Saturdays, if you're looking for local farm products, you can use that website. And you have an article on there about pistachios, and there's fun facts. Number six, it says pistachio is the only nut that is green. Fun fact number seven, pistachio technically is a seed, not a nut. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so Jim, we need a fact checker. Do you agree with Do you agree with those facts on fill your plate?
1: That that is correct. Uh, pistachios are actually uh, uh, called a they're a drupe, d r u p e. They they are a seed. Uh, if we planted that seed, it would grow into a tree, uh, but it's not technically a nut. It is a droop. And so, what's the difference between?
2: A nut and a seed then, because isn't that just, you know. It's a droop. <laughs> and, and a droop. Because if you plant a seed, something grows. So if right. you plant a droop,
1: something grows. So
2: what's the the technical difference then?
1: He's splitting well, hairs, may, but I know you, you, you can answer have him. Some uh, biological people that are listening that would would correct me. But uh, the uh, the our nut has an epicarp on the outside of the shell. And it, it's similar to like a peach, or there are a number of nuts, that, or I call them nuts, but a number of droops that are related, cashews, uh, even, even pecans are, are considered to be droops, even though we always call them nuts.
3: So if I want to make sure I get either California, I absolutely want to get Arizona pistachios. Jim, where am I supposed to go? I mean, how can I well, make sure I get your pistachios? You know, I'm, oh.
2: I'm going to use that as a hanger because we're okay. a little over our time for the break, and we'll come back where to get these locally grown pistachios from uh, Jim Graham of Cochise Grove Pistachios.
3: Let's go pistachio.
2: yep. Hello everyone that was curious, uh, uh, BibleGateway.com, Genesis 43, says, Then their father, uh, Israel, uh, said to them, If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bag and take them down, pop-up ad, to the man as a gift. A little balm, a little honey, <laughs> some spice and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds.
3: Is that not cool? So
2: we're going to have to go back to the new international version and say it's a droop, guys. It's we a got to fact check the, the NVI version here.
1: Yeah. So when I bake a droop pie, I can give it to the neighbors, and they'll yes. know what it is. Yeah, oh, yeah they'll All know right. what
3: it is. After today's show, they will know what it is. Well, Jim, so to my last question before we had to go to break, tell us um, how I can make sure that I get Arizona pistachios.
1: Well, um, the thing that I probably need to make clear is almost all of the Arizona crop is premium crop and it gets exported primarily to Asia and European countries.
3: So I have and, to show up at your farm.
1: Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we can do, uh, we do have a small retail business that we run through our uh, Golden Rule Vineyards website. Uh, there, are, there are two processors here that we use locally. One is called Summit Nut Company here in Cochise. The other is A N P Growers over at Bowie, Arizona, uh, and they also can sell product. And I would recommend that you uh, possibly consider contacting Summit Nut Company or A N P Growers. Or Cochise grows pistachios on the Golden Rule Vineyards website.
3: Awesome. And, you know, that's so important because the USDA states that pistachios have more than 30 different vitamins, minerals, and that's phytonutrients. So we need to be eating more pistachios, and it's such a wonderful snack. It's like one of my favorite nuts, and I know I'm partial because I grew up in (laughs) pistachio. I literally grew up in pistachio orchards, but uh, pecans um, are also a wonderful nut, and we have a wonderful family um, that's growing the pecans here, actually several. And um, so it's a very healthy net. And I love what you said earlier, Jim, that Arizona is the second leading pistachio-producing state in the United States, even though it's only about 1.5% <laughs> of the total California's bringing in the rest of it. So um, we're, talk-
0: coming, we're coming on strong.
3: Yes, we're coming on strong. So we're going to keep talking about pistachios, but let's segue a little bit to your wine. And actually, it's been a a perfect pairing. I use that on purpose. (laughs) Because one of your favorite customers, he comes out on a regular basis. I'm going blank on his name, but Jim, you may remember. Young man, he's an ITEC or technology guy, but he also uh, went through all the courses to get his... um, and I know I'm going to say it wrong. I need Jennifer here to tell me the right word, and all my wine people are going to get after me. But a sommelier? sommelier. Did I? Yeah, sommelier. sommelier. Yeah. And he goes to your tasting room on the farm, I bet, quarterly, and he talks about how wonderfully the pistachio nut pairs with your Golden Rule vineyard wine. So talk about that a little bit.
1: Well... Um we uh, and i remember you had quite a visit with the gentleman at our tasting room here at our farm uh, so I, I remember that incident uh, when when he uh, when we we've tried to provide pistachios and unfortunately with covid right now we uh, we don't serve our pistachios for free like we used to but people can buy them and taste wine with it but being able to we sell the pistachios in shell and people have to open up the nut, and uh, eat it, and then take a sip of wine, and uh, it helps uh, spread out your consumption of pistachios and wine, and it just makes for a a better social uh, interaction. And
2: anybody that complains about having to crack the nut to get to a pistachio didn't grow up eating crawfish. You're very used to spending a lot of time on a little shelf for a little tiny piece of meat or nut. That's...
3: You know what my dad said? He's He said he insists that you can survive on just beer and pistachios because of all the nutrients. And I said, Dad, the beer? Seriously? He said, yeah.
2: So can survive and quality of life are two different right. things.
3: Can survive and quality of life. But uh, it was interesting to hear this young man speak because, because he was just emphasizing how wonderful the taste of the pistachio nut and how well it paired with uh, Jim's wine. All of our Arizona wine, actually. But Jim, tell us some of your the, some of the bottled wines that you have.
1: Well, in our vineyard, we have 10 red varieties of grapes. Um, Sangiovese, Syrah, uh, Zinfandel, Cabernet Sauvignon, Petit Syrah, Grenache, Morvedra, uh, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, and Alianico. I hope I didn't leave anything out. Uh, they are all Mediterranean variety grapes. Uh, again, we're fortunate here at our altitude and with the conditions that exist here that we've uh, we found the Sulphur Springs Valley grows really good wine grapes.
2: Alright, more with Jim Graham. Golden Rule Vineyards. Co-Chief's Pistache Grove, and Julie Murphy of the Arizona Farm Bureau here at Rosie on the house after bottom of the hour news.
1: Having some
0: fun this morning with the Arizona Farm Bureau and special guest, Mr. Jim Graham from the Golden Rule Farm. And, And I guess... I've been sitting by the sideline listening with rapt attention, and I I just can't let Mr. Graham get off the hook without this one beef I've got. (laughs) I've, as as a longtime Arizona, I've been hiking Southern Arizona since the '60s, right along the border, all through the uh, all around Mount Wrightson and. Elgin and Patagonia's, Huachucas, Cochise. I mean, I love that country. And used to be in the old days, you could be stinky and dirty and bleeding from a, a hike through Cat Claw and Mesquite and go to a motel. And any motel in Southern Arizona, you get a room for 19 bucks. Then the Callahans planted the first grape vineyard down there, and y'all started branding yourself as wine country. And they're in room south of Tucson you can get for under 100 bucks.
3: (laughs) This is true. (laughs) Now it's
0: wine country. (laughs) And I say that tongue-in-cheek. I love Cochise and Santa Cruz County, one of my favorite areas of the whole state. And I don't care what they charge. I'm going to keep coming.
3: And we are excited about the economic contribution that our wine grape growers, for sure. And then those that make the wine, it's amazing. Uh, but I, I bet Jim and—we're on the ro- uh, radio, this is public, but I bet uh, Jim and Ruth could probably put you and Jennifer up for <laughs> night because they have a guest room right off of their tasting room. And that prompts me to ask another— <laughs>
2: How many bunks are stacked in there?
3: <laughs> hint, hint. I've stayed there twice— um, And I just loved it. And I love the Graham family. And they're just the greatest couple. So the question I have for you, because of the pandemic, are you still taking um, visitors to your tasting room?
1: Well, it's been a little bit tough since, uh, you know, just about a year ago in March, uh, the state of Arizona shut down our tasting rooms from uh, mid-March to mid-May. And that's often our busiest time of the year. Uh, We have snowbirders, you know the snowbirds that come down from the northern country. They like to drink our wine, and uh, that, you know, February, March, April time period uh, is usually our best time. We have we have closed down our tasting room at our farm, except for uh, by reservation only, and we do have a tasting room in the town of Wilcox that's that's been reopened and. There are a number of tasting rooms in the town of Wilcox. So we encourage people, if they want to make a trip down to Wilcox, there are a number of tasting rooms within about a 15-mile radius of uh, the city of Wilcox and a really good place to spend a weekend. There are motels there that do cost less than $100. (laughs) and We we hope that uh, people will come and enjoy Wilcox wine country.
3: And the building that you have your tasting room in downtown Wilcox is absolutely beautiful. It's historical and it's huge. You're not the only uh, vineyard in that wine tasting area, correct? I mean, in the building that you guys are in his the historical building, or is it just you guys? I can't remember.
1: No, it, you're correct. There are now three tasting rooms within that one building. Uh, the building is called the Wilcox Commercial Building. It was built in 1879 and um it, it was we we had to do quite a bit of electrical wiring. Uh Rosie and Romey would appreciate this. Mm-hmm. We had to go back in and replace a lot of electrical wiring and then we realized that uh it was built the same year that Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Uh-huh. So, so the the wiring in the building uh was put in after the building was built and we've uh, it's been a challenge.
3: And it's right off the freeway, so someone doesn't have to drive all the way to the farm, and it's just a beautiful atmosphere. There's uh, other uh, wine tasting rooms that you can visit. It's just a really nice downtown area that it continues to be developed because they're charging more for their rooms at night. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting a little bit of uh, economic surge in there, hopefully. Right. That's correct. And by the way, Jim, I did remember the gentleman that was so interesting and entertaining. His name is Richard Poole. He's, again, one of your biggest fans. If people want to, oh, we had a guest. Speaking of
0: big fans, we had a caller in the last segment call in and say, you know, I've met Mr. Graham. I've been to his orchard, and the wine is wonderful. And that comes unsolicited just from a listener of the show.
3: So you need to mention your website again because somebody can peruse the website and figure out what they're going to do. What is the website again?
1: Uh, GoldenRuleVineyards.com. So uh, G-O-L-D-E-N-R-U-L-E-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D-S.com.
2: I don't know if anyone else is putting two and two together here, but he's you, you rent out the guest room to guests that come down for the wine tasting, correct?
1: Well, no, we. It's it's uh, only for special guests like Julie and if the <laughs> Romero decide to come, we, we we clear out all the stuff that's in the guest room. But we had somebody suggest instead of a bed and breakfast, we call it a bed and bottle. Bed
2: and. <laughs> I'm in. I'm well, in. I'm in. We'll find a, another hotel in Wilcox, but I mean, is anyone else seeing the staycation like right on right in our face right here? Oh yeah, <laughs> for, yeah. for the twenty twenty two. Yeah, Jim, on the house staycation?
0: Jim, what's the name of the steakhouse in Wilcox where they hand you the raw steak and they have a grill going in the back room? And you go cook your own <laughs> steak or hamburger.
1: Uh, it's called Rix's.
0: Yes, and yep, they still do that. Yeah, uh, that's a great place. I love that place. You get to. The- you, you get to
2: fix it as rare as you want. <laughs> have you done it before? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. many times. Wow. So on the topic of pistachios and wine, I, there's a few uh, questions here to wrap up. Jim, you were talking about the harvest process uh, of pistachios, and there's a, a critical 24-hour window when they come off the tree. Something has to happen.
1: To, ed- educate me on that. Sure. Um, when When we harvest, we actually shake the trees. We have... A machinery that grips the tree and shakes the tree, the nuts come cascading off of the tree. We collect them before they hit the ground. The the pistachios are split on the tree before when they're ripe, so we can't roll them around the dirt like you can with the pecan. Mm. Uh, so this epicarp that's on the outside or a hull, the hull is the epicarp. Uh, within a few hours after you harvest that. Epicarp starts to deteriorate, and it can stain the shell. The U.S. industry has made a real effort to give you a natural-looking and uh, absolutely perfect pistachio with a clean, blonde shell. So it goes to a processing plant. The nut goes through uh, a machine that actually scrubs the hull off the outside of the nut, and then they go into uh, crop dryers, very similar to what I used when I farmed in Iowa for for uh, drying corn, but it it dries the nut down from about 45% moisture to 10% moisture. Then they can be stored until they're processed, sized, and sorted in the processing plant itself. So it's it's something that has to take place rather quickly after the harvest uh,
2: is made. And I'm assuming since February, uh, where was it, February 26th is National Pistachio Day that we're probably right in the harvest time.
3: Actually, the harvest is in the fall. Usually, you get it done in October,
1: right? Well, we're we usually start like the third week in August and okay. go through the month of September. Okay. Uh, and I think I think the National Pistachio Day—that's uh, when you need to sit down and eat pistachios all day long
3: because <laughs> they've been processed, they've been packaged, and they've been and they've distributed. been distributed. <laughs>
2: so now they're available.
3: <laughs> and you know, it's yeah. interesting. Jim, and the, this whole effort by the pistachio inter- industry to have a real natural-looking nut, because I remember the days when a lot of times they did the red dye, and maybe it was because the epicarp outs over the harder shell would maybe stain it. Was that one of the reasons that that red dye was used f- often that for is, pistachio?
1: Yeah, that's ab- absolutely correct. Uh, and a lot of us grew up, well, we didn't have very many pistachios in Iowa, but with As we were younger, we remember the red pistachios, and that was dye that was put on simply to cover up the blemishes on the shell. Um, And you don't see red pistachios anymore, and if you do, it probably means that they may be imported from the Middle East where they don't have as uh, advanced uh, processing capabilities as we do in the U.S.
3: Yeah. Um, And any other nutritional insights for us, Jim, on the pistachio nut?
1: Well, uh, they're high in vitamin A, they're high in fiber, and uh, they they do have a lot of energy. Our industry promotes them for active ad- adults that uh, like to hike or bike or do things where they can carry a few pistachios with them and get a boost of energy without carrying a, a lot of other food along with them. So it's a it's a good snack for a hike or a bike ride or something like that.
3: So, Rosie, for all those hikes that the Romero family still does, oh. you need to make sure you guys have your pistachios. Oh, within. pistachios
0: take me across the rim-to-rim hike of the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. every year. I depend on pistachios in a lot of ways.
3: And when you reach the end of the trail, you get some Golden Rule wine from the Grams, and you're all set.
0: Absolutely. Can- muscle relaxer. <laughs>
3: hey, muscle relaxer. You can- I've,
0: I've, got off, I've got a, a bunny trail. Jim you have any game cameras on any of those trees out there
1: <laughs> uh, well we uh, we're in a wildlife area here we have deer and javelina well, and, you've got, uh, you've,
0: got ocelot, you've got an ocelot and a jaguar in your neighborhood have you ever run into them?
1: I have not but uh, we've seen mountain lions.
2: Oh, wow. It was just featured this week that they're the jaguar that uh, was first documented in 2016 has been observed 45 separate occasions according to Game and Fish. Don't they have him, and they, it they, was, they named him El Jefe. It was, uh, so there's an there's an ocelot and a jaguar, and this jaguar is closest to where Jim's is. It was seen in the Chiricahua Mountains and Dos Cab- uh, das Cabez Mountains on January 6th. Hmm. Just and
3: so that mu- if that's the case, I bet they hung out in Jim's pistachio
2: <laughs> orchard. <laughs> Nobody's in that guest room, or the they, they they sampled their wine and.
3: Well, and I wonder if wildlife likes pistachio nuts, Jim. I know that birds like your wine grapes,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, you know, farmers are always trying to occupy areas where other animals like to live. And uh, we have to remind ourselves that they were here a long time before we were. So we uh, we give a little bit to the birds and we give a little bit to the javelina and, and uh, we we try to survive, you know, in a community here.
3: That's a good way to look at it. And there's still plenty of wine and pistachios left over for us. How have, I, I know this. there's been advances in this, how do you manage, um, you know, like you said, you want to give some of your grape wines to the birds, but how are you managing so that they don't wipe out your grapes?
1: Well, in, especially in the vineyard, and and it also applies to the pistachios too, because uh, there are electronic bird, they're called bird guards that uh, make bird noises, raptor noises that tend to keep the small birds that like to eat our grapes and um, invade the pistachios, they try to keep them away. We also have used um, a biological uh, bird deterrent in, in the grapes that uh, we spray on. It's actually a Concord grape concentrate this has been proved to have some impact on keeping the birds out. There's something about the- Interesting.
3: The yes, that grape is. Great
0: extract that keeps them away. Well, if I get to eat all the free pistachios I want, I may volunteer just to come down and be a scarecrow. <laughs>
3: well, if you put the
1: well now, I
3: wine and pistachios. That was a perfect commodity topic today. Pistachios and wine.
2: Our our final segment here at our Farm Fresh Hour for the month. We've been talking pistachios with Jim Graham of Cochise. um, Cochise grows pistachios and Golden Rule Vineyards. Correct. Very interesting conversation. Very interesting combination of harvest. And we've got, Jim, if somebody uh, wanted to come down, you said by appointment at the tasting room, you're still taking... Uh, people how would somebody make an appointment to come down and uh and enjoy your farm
1: Well again we'd point them toward our com website uh, our phone number is on that and uh we would happily accept reservations and again our tasting room in Wilcox is open Wednesday through Sunday 11 to 5 so uh it's always open uh 11 to five, Wednesday through Sunday. Our farm tasting room is by reservation. And
2: when somebody comes, how far from Wilcox are you? And is it a, a farm I'm going to need
1: four-wheel drive to get to? <laughs> no, uh, we, uh, we're we just off of the Interstate 10, uh, about 10 miles on Dragoon Road. Uh, and we're just off the north end of the Dragoon Mountains in the Sulphur Springs Valley. The tasting room in Wilcox is right off of the interstate, and uh, makes makes an easy trip from Phoenix or Tucson.
3: So the way to quantify this for the listener, if you want to go to the tasting room, I would qualify on the farm slash vineyard slash pistachio orchard. You need to make a reservation for that. But every Wednesday through s- Saturday, starting at 11, the tasting room in downtown Wilcox is always open.
1: Yeah, Wednesday through Sunday. Wednesday open, through Sunday. Uh,
2: GoldenRulesVineyards.com Well, we appreciate you spending time this Saturday morning with us, Jim, and letting Arizona residents know about the pistachio and wine uh, crops that are, are produced right here locally and how uh, they can get their hands on on our local commodities.
3: We're going to be having some pistachios and wine. Maybe that will be my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Jim. So, uh, You're welcome. It's an honor. So... I've got to share a neat little story about Arizona Farm Bureau Romero family. We're celebrating 100 years. So as of 2021, Arizona Farm Bureau can officially say we're 100 years old. So obviously we started 1921. And we're excited. We have a full year's worth of celebrations. Um, Some of them we've had to modify thanks to the pandemic. But uh, we're telling a lot of our history through our publications. It will also show up on our website, azfb.org. Uh, we'll be featuring all sorts of fun stuff to celebrate 100 years of representing and advocating for our Arizona farmers and ranchers. So we're quite excited about that.
2: Have you ever been to the Arizona room at the Barton Bar Library down on Central?
3: We actually did a lot of our research there. My I was going to say, yeah. if you haven't, they've got yes. old Farm Bureau stuff there right. from the 40s. My uh, historian uh, did that, and uh, Fred uh, Anderson, thanks for asking that because we can give him some props. We spent over two years working on some of the history because we had some, but we wanted we felt like the library would be the place to go. So he frequented that quite often and it was really fun. So the history book is complete. Now we're not selling it to the public. We only uh, published about 400 for our AG leaders. We have about 350 ag leaders, if you count all of our ag leaders from the 14 active counties here in the state of Arizona. Yes, we have 15 counties, but there's 14 active Farm Bureau counties. We wanted to make sure our um, county leaders got a copy and share, plan to share it with some others. But the way we're going to share it with the public in general is constant stories throughout the year and celebrations, fun stuff like that
2: and you can sign up to become a Farm Bureau member for a homeowner it's what 60 bucks a year yep. and there's a lot of uh, you know buying power that you get through that a different yes. you know Sanderson Ford is a big partner um
3: Yeah, Sanderson Ford, uh, Harkins Theater. In fact, uh, we have about 25 statewide uh, benefits, but then we have a lot of regional benefits. So if you are a member from like Cochise County, because that's the county that we kind of planted ourselves in today because of the pistachios and the wine grapes, um, you would only have to pay $59 a year. So it's really worth it. And then... A lot of people that join do it because they want to support our farmers and ranchers. All the programming that we do is in support, whether that's our advocacy area, our communications, or our ag education. We go into the classrooms, teach kids about Arizona agriculture specifically, because we have a unique agriculture history, and we also have a unique agriculture uh, industry today as a $23.3 billion industry. So we've got all sorts of stories to tell, and there's stories like Jim Grams, who we heard today. With Cochise Groves,
2: and you know what's so interesting about that twenty-three uh, billion you were talking about? We until just what was that a year or two ago that came out? It we said seventeen billion. So yeah, the the total dollar value of ag is increasing, but the land and acreage we're growing on is shrinking. It's
3: we're getting better at how we do it. Technology improves us.
2: And next uh, next month in March, we're talking wheat.
3: Yes, Durham wheat. We got a neat story on that one
2: azfb.org or fillyourplate.org